Thank you for joining us once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast. Here's the big revival that's coming and hitting the land. The big revival is not when the church stops sinning. The big revival is when the church turns their hearts to Jesus. That's the revival. That's the revival. When the church hungers for Christ. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the rich word of God. Matthew 18, verse number 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him how much? 10, which owed him 10,000 talents. Verse 25, for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. His servant fell down at his feet and, and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not. But went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. But when, um, verse 31, so when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, Thou, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt. Because thou desires me, shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to be, or rather to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. If ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. All right. I read to you uh, Matthew 18 verses 21 through 35. Now we're going to get right into the meat of this because there is so much here. I, I seriously doubt we're going to get finished with it today either. But we're going to really get in here and really try. Now, verse, let's look again. Now, we talked about verse, uh, verse 21, how the Lord said, well, you need to forgive people. Um, rather, verse 22, you need to forgive people seven times 70. We said that number was 490 times. That represents really a, a perfect number. You need to forgive people as much as they need forgiveness in a day. Praise the Lord. 
But we also said if someone had a baseball bat hitting you upside your head, they hit you once, pow, and you say, oh, I forgive you. They hit you again, pow, oh, I forgive you. You ought to have some sense in your head to move out of the way from that baseball bat. Can somebody say praise the Lord? All right. We don't stay in the line of fire. We make some sort of adjustments. If you can't move your body, then find a helmet. Do something. Amen. All right. Now let's go further on down. Verse 23, the Lord says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. You want to know what the kingdom of heaven is like? Well, the Lord is going to tell us what the kingdom of heaven is like. How many of you want to go to heaven? All right. Well, here is Jesus, who is the king of kings, Lord of lords, God in the flesh, the one who has actually been to heaven, right? Coming back and coming down to earth and telling us what heaven is like. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, it's something to look in a magazine at Africa or look in, look in one of the, look at one of the movies, but it's something else when you talk to somebody who's actually been there. So here's Jesus telling us what heaven is like. How many of you want to know what heaven is like? He said, the kingdom of heaven um, is like unto a certain king which had to, which, which, which would take account of his servants. We've gone there last time. So we know that the uh, servants came in one by one before the king and the king said, give an account about what you owe. Give an account. Now remember these servants... Uh, these were account managers, so to speak. These were accountants. These were accountants, the king's accountants. And the money that they had was not theirs. They were managing it for the king. This was not their money. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that they were servants. And that's a very nice word for slave. The king owned them and he owned everything that he had. The king owns everything in the kingdom. Say that with me. The king owns everything in the kingdom. You see, this is why, as we, as we read further down, when the servant did not have to pay, this is why the king could say, sell him and his wife and his children and everything that he has. Now, how can you say that unless you own it? Okay, the king owns it all. So here's a, a, here's a great picture. Now, I want you to see this is, a, this is a really, this is a prophetic end time picture as to what is going to happen. If you ever want to know what's going to happen in the end times as people stand before God, here it is right here. This gives you a picture of what will happen and also a picture of what is happening. Hallelujah. And what has happened. You're going to see this all in these verses. This is thrilling. Are you thrilled with me? All right. So he says uh, the, the king brought the servants in to reckon with them. Now, all of us. All of us are owned by God. How do I know that? Because you did not create yourself. You did not create the air you're breathing right now. You did not create the ground. You, don't, you didn't create anything. All of us were created and we were created and owned by God. Everything that you have belongs to him. Everything. You say, well, I, I earned my paycheck last week. That paycheck belongs to me. Who gave you the strength to go to the job to get it? Who gave you a job in the first place? Are you with me? You and everything you own is owned by God. And at the very end of time, you're going to stand before God and give an account. 
Now, this is wonderful and thrilling. Are you with me? This is wonderful and thrilling. So stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. And so the king calls in. Now, we're talking about what heaven is like, right? Isn't that what the scripture says, what the kingdom of heaven is like? The king calls in his servants. Everybody's going to go right back to the source. We're all going to stand before God. We're all going to stand before him and give an account of the deeds that were done in our bodies. All of us going to stand and give that account. And that really, if you grab, grab a hold of that and get the revelation, that is quite stirring. That is quite stirring. Now, we will either give an account to the Lord in, either in one of two places. And then we're going to go further with this. One of two places. One, if you are born again, born of God, born again, that is if you are twice born. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, if you have received him, truly received him as your Lord and Savior, if you have been converted, Scripture says, if you have truly received him and have faith in him, then you will appear before God at what's called the Bema seat, B-E-E-M. No, B-E-M-A. Thank you, Lord. You will appear, or that is called also the judgment seat of Christ. Okay? If you are born again, all believers, hear me, all born again believers, not, not church attenders who are, who are faking. There are a lot of those, right? People call them hypocrites. Or not just people that are religious and say, I know about Jesus. There was one popular movie, uh, one popular movie I think was Talladega Nights. You know, I don't recommend, but it, some of it was funny, but some of it you got to take, throw it away. All right, praise the Lord. But but in part of that movie, the one main character say he said, well, well, I I like the baby Jesus. I, you can have that grown up Jesus. I, I want the baby Jesus. And he began to pray over his food. Dear baby Jesus, please bless my food. He said, I like the baby Jesus. What in the world are you talking about? And some people think that way. They really do think that that way. It's it's the craziest thing I ever seen in my life. But listen, if you are born again, we're going to stand before the Lord and give an account. If you are born again, here again, you stand before the Lord and we will stand at the judgment, stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And the Lord at that time, he won't judge you according to the sinful things that were done in your life. Why? Because our sins have already been covered by the blood of Jesus, already washed away. There is no record of our sins in heaven. Are you with me? Hallelujah. There's no record of it whatsoever. The Lord said he'll cast your sins as far away from you as the east is from the west. The Bible even declares that he will remember your sins no more. Hallelujah. No more. So at the judgment seat of Christ, every born again believer, we will give an account for the deeds done in our body. But these, but this will be for um, an, an account of, of the things that we have done for him in this life. Surely part of that will be um, we'll give an account for our acts of disobedience. Maybe God told you to go witness to so and so, but we didn't. We'll give an account for that. But this is more or less when we think about the judgment seat of Christ. I want you to think of uh, this is the place where God gives rewards for things done in the body. And there are actually five different crowns uh, that the Lord will give to born again believers at that day. And I'm going to, I'm going to go over some of that with you. Uh, today there are prizes and 
When you think about prizes, I don't want you to think about Cracker Jack box prizes. There are rewards that the Lord will give us at that day for our faithful service to him. These are eternal rewards, eternal rewards that God will give to you. Now, there is a crown of righteousness uh, for those that will love the Lord's appearing. And, and if you write this down or if you listen to the CD or Internet, you can write this down. Second Timothy four, eight tells you about that. There is a, um, a an incorruptible crown uh, for those who have uh, disciplined their bodies and have self-control. And that's uh, 1 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse 25 through 27. There is also a crown of life. Uh, and we can see that as far as um, people that have endured patiently through trials. You can see more about that in James 1.12 and in Revelations 2.10. There is also a crown of glory, uh, which godly leaders who, are, who were examples to the flock will receive. And that's in First uh, Peter, the fifth chapter, uh, verses two and two through four. And last is also a uh, the crown of rejoicing. And that's uh, the, the what's also called the soul winner's crown. And that's in First Thessalonians two, um, verse 19. And also Daniel 12 and three. If you need these scriptures, I can give them to you later. <clears throat> but understand that at the judgment seat of Christ, we will be judged or um, we will, the Lord will, at that seat, the Lord will give us our rewards for things done in this body. Isn't that wonderful? Again, there will not be a record of sins committed. No record of sins committed if you are born again, born of God. No record. The Bible is very clear about that. And I can give you several scriptures about that. Not going to right now, but it is very clear about the power of the blood of Jesus and what it accomplishes on our behalf of how Jesus was the perfect sacrifice or is the perfect sacrifice on our behalf. The, the wrath of God was poured out upon Jesus. Hallelujah. And those that enter into salvation that have received Jesus Christ, we won't be judged. The wrath of God will not fall upon us because it has already fallen upon Jesus Christ. Are you with me? This is another reason why it is so tragic for a born-again believer, uh, those who've received Jesus, I mean, really received Jesus, really walking with him, this is why it's so, another reason why it's so tragic for us to go walk around in intimidation and, and fear and guilt and shame. See, fear, guilt, and shame, you feel all these after judgment. When somebody has judged you, then you feel guilty about something. You feel shamed with something. When judgment is upon you, but see, that's the enemy putting that mess on you. It's not God judging you because he's already judged the body of Jesus on your behalf. Are you with me? All, hallelujah. So when we all go before the Lord, and here again, we're still in Matthew 18, right? The king called in his servants. The king called in his servants, all those that he owned, and he owns you, whether we, whether we want to believe it or not. God owns you. Say, God owns me. I'm telling you, he does. He does. And there'll be a lot of people who say, oh, there's no God. There's no this and that. I can, after you die, you're done. You're, this blackness, nothingness. Well, you're going to have a rude awakening. God owns us. And we will give an account to everything that we've done. Now, here again, if you are a born again believer, we will not have to give an account for sin. 
Because if you receive Jesus, your sins, past, present, and future, are all covered in his blood. There is no record. There is no remembrance of your sins. Hallelujah. And so we'll stand before the Lord, and the Lord will issue out those crowns and other rewards that we will have eternally. Praise the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Now, if you are not born of God, that is, if we have, if people have lived their life in, in rejection of Christ, they say, I don't want Jesus. I don't want what Jesus Christ offers. Um, I don't want to live for him. I want to live the way I live. I want to do with my stuff what I want to do with it. Then you become like this servant here that's in Matthew 18 who squandered the king's goods squander the king's resources and God will say to that individual give an account of what you've done now if that person dies in that condition and does not repent then they will be under the judgment of God not the judgment seat of Christ you want to be there at the Bema seat you don't want to be over there where uh, on the other side where God is telling people give an account to what you have done and all their sins come up before them because there's no covering. Every sin done in their lives from the age of accountability forward. What's age of accountability? Well, we'll talk about that some other time. But uh, briefly, it's the age in which people, uh, our, our youngsters, know the difference between right and wrong. Age of accountability. And why is that important? Because if there was not an age of accountability, then why would babies go to heaven? Why could babies go to heaven? Or why could um, retarded people, those who are not mentally capable, why do they go to heaven? Because they haven't reached that section, that age of accountability, that time of accountability. Are you with me? They don't know. All right. But anyway, so here again, God will begin to judge the whole world based on based really on one thing. Have you received Christ or have you not? That is the only sin that gets you into hell. Really hear me. That is the only sin that gets you into hell. The only sin that is smoking, drinking, snorting, rooting, tooting, pooting, whatever you want to say. None of that gets you into hell. None of that. Now that will make your ride here a whole lot less comfortable. Are you with me? But the only thing that qualifies a person for hell is not receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The only sin that causes people to go to hell is when they reject Jesus. If you reject Jesus and say, I don't want you either verbally or either with your life. If you say no to God's plan of salvation, that will take you straight there. Because when you stand before God, all of your sins will not be covered. That means all the books will be open. In Revelations, it tells you when, and that actually we could go to it, but I'm not going to. Revelations, the Bible declares that the books were presented before God and the Lamb's book, the Lamb's book of life were presented. And it says those that were not found in the Lamb's book of life were cast into the lake of fire. Those that had not received Christ Jesus, those that had not welcomed him into their heart and into their lives, they were cast. Now, why is that? Why would God? I thought he's a God of love and mercy. He is. And we see we'll see that here in and um, Matthew 18 as well. But he's also a God of order and he gives to all men an opportunity to come under the blood of Jesus. 
Because listen, God's love for you is stronger than your sin. Let me say that again. God's love for you is stronger than your sin. God's love for you is stronger than your sin. Let's look at this. Let's go back to Matthew 18 now. I want you to see this. So the king begins to reckon with his uh, his servants. And there was one servant that owed him 10,000 talents. That is a number, an amount that cannot possibly be reached in 150 lifetimes. Are you with me? This is a debt that is so huge that you cannot possibly pay off. And this is what we will stand before the Lord. Some that uh, all who have not received Jesus. This is what this what this is what they will have. This tremendous debt, this tremendous thing that is on them that they cannot possibly pay off. All right. So that would happen then. But the Lord's telling us that giving us that scene now so that we can correct it in this time because you won't be able to correct it in that time. Are you with me? Let's look at this. And so they brought this man unto him. It says in verse 25, for and for uh, as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, his wife and his children and everything, and payment to be made. Even when he had uh, sold, even if he had sold everybody, his family and all that, it still would not cover the amount of the debt. The servant fell down. Now we can do this in this life, but you won't be able to do it. When you die, you won't be able to fall before God and ask for mercy then. This is a time of mercy. Are you with me? God has issued out mercy and grace right now in this time. If you are breathing, if blood is still pumping through your veins, and if you are hearing me and hearing other preachers all around the world that are saying the same thing, now is the time of mercy. Some people say, well, I got all time I want to. I'm, I'm young or, or I'm in, I'm older, but I'm in great health. I'm sure I have so many years to go. Who told you that? Even in the news most recently, tragically, there were three young people that were killed by a lady driving down the road talking on a cell phone. Talking on a cell phone and she killed or ran over these three young men that were just walking alongside the road. Tragically, their life was cut short. And I pray that they had the blood of Christ over their lives. If not, it is too late. There will be a time of too late. Now, in this life, here again, why is, it, why is the blood of Jesus important? Because the blood of Jesus protects us from the wrath of God. It is the blood of Jesus that protects you from the wrath of God. Here again, in verse 25, here's the wrath of the king. You don't have what is needed. You don't have what I want. Then here's the wrath. Sell them. Take them all and make payment for this. Do this. Break up their family. Here's wrath being released. But here's the mercy. This is where Jesus comes in in our life in this time period. The servant, therefore, fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Verse 27, here's Jesus. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Isn't that wonderful? 
Here's what God is willing to do and actually has already done. God is willing to forgive you and release you of your sin debt of every sin ever committed. He's willing to take the books that are written in heaven of your sin. He's willing to take those books and burn them up, throw them away, and there'll be no more record of any sin you've ever committed in your entire life. He's willing to do that if you just ask him. Isn't that something? The servant fell down, worshiped the king, said, have patience with me, have mercy uh, or be patient with me until I pay thee all. We're going to get to that in just a second. But he, this servant did not go out and do any great works to earn it at this point. The forgiveness was freely given. And this is the message that God is giving us today. He wants you to hear his forgiveness is free, freely given. It is freely given. He is willing to cover all of your sins, past, present, and future. He is willing to get rid of that because he loves you so much. Isn't that something? Go ahead and give him a praise. Go ahead and give him a praise. I'm telling you. He loves you that much. He loves you that much. Now, here again, we will all have to give an account in Romans 14. You can write this down. Romans 14, verse 12. It says, yes, this is out of the New Living Translation. I love the way it reads. It says, yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. In 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse number 10, it says, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. But here again, the Lord has made a way for every bad thing that you could ever have done or ever will do to be covered under his blood and you to stand in peace before his presence. Who wouldn't want to serve a God like that? Now let's go on a little bit further. Y'all stay with me today. I thank God that you are. Now, in verse number 27, the Lord frankly forgave the servant. We can ask for forgiveness in this time. We can receive God's forgiveness in this time. But after we die, it is too late. There is no, there is no pardoning of sin to spiritual bodies. Hear me. There is no pardon of sin for spiritual bodies. Okay, this is why the devil, all the demons have a hell to go to. The, the Lord, the Bible declares that the that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels or those fallen angels. There is no pardon of sin. The blood of Jesus was shed for humanity. That is the only pardon or there, there is, that is the only forgiveness of sin if you are in fleshly body. But once you die and your spirit comes out of this fleshly body, there is no pardon for sin. There is nothing that is provided in the spiritual sense for spirit beings. That is those without a body. But there's only pardon or forgiveness of sins that is offered to those that are in fleshly bodies. Are you with me? All right. Now listen to verse 28. It says, but that same servant that had received the forgiveness went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, which is about 20 bucks. So now here we are back in time. We're back in time now. 
We're, we've left the, uh, the Bema seat of Christ. We've left the time of judgment. We're back here now. God shows us a future picture. And now we can avoid that future picture of uh, judgment and the wrath of God. We can avoid that right now here in time. So now we're back here in this year. And the Lord tells us, I have given grace and mercy. Now, this man that has been in the presence of the Lord that has received God's mercy. Now here, here's the example of a false witness of someone, or we could say of a hypocrite. Okay. This person has been in the presence of the Lord here and God has said forgiven over their lives, but now they go back out and they live as though they have not received God's forgiveness. Forgiveness and born again believers go hand in hand. If you are born again, you will release forgiveness. They go hand in hand. There's no such thing as a born again believer, a converted believer, one who has received Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, one in whom the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. There is no such thing as a born again believer not forgiving someone. There is no such thing. Water is wet. Fire is hot. Dogs bark, cats meow. Borning and believers will forgive. Amen. There is no such thing as a borning and believer that will hold, hold people in unforgiveness. Amen. Now, why do I say that? Because after you receive Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, the Spirit of God comes in and he moves on the inside of you. And he will continually deal with you about the current sins in your life. He will continually deal with you about wrong deeds done. He will continually convict you of sin. Why? Because he's getting you ready. Are you with me? So if someone that is born again says, well, I've held this grudge for 20 and 30 and 40 years and they die. No, you would say, no, you're not born. You believe you're one that came to the church. And Jesus said many times, he said, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, have we done this for you? Have we done that for you? And Lord will say, hey, depart from me, you, you wicked or worker of iniquity. I don't know you. I never knew you. I never knew you. Yes, they did stuff for him, but the Lord said, I don't know you. The Bible's very clear when it says the Lord knows those who belong to him. He knows those that belong to him. So if we can harbor unforgiveness in our heart against anyone, if you name the name of Christ and if you can do that, you need to check up on your salvation. You need to check up on your salvation. I'm telling you, you really do. You really do. But here, but this man here went before God, went before the king. Here again, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. He went before the king and the Lord proclaimed forgiven, loosed of debt, loosed of sin. And that is exactly what God is doing right now. He's telling you, all humanity, I have forgiven. It is forgiven you are forgiven but we have to receive the forgiveness that God has given to us this man did not receive God's forgiveness that is it was proclaimed over him but he didn't receive it into his heart how do we know that because he was not able to go and release it 
He goes out immediately from the presence of the Lord and he finds someone else that has owned that owes him something. In other words, he finds someone that is in his debt, someone that has done him wrong and he holds him in unforgiveness. He grabs him by the throat. Look at the passion there. He grabs him by the throat and says, pay me. In other words, he begins to torment this man over the things that were done to him. And that's what unforgiveness does, the root of unforgiveness. When we hold someone in unforgiveness, we're trying to punish them for what they've done to us. When you refuse to forgive someone, you're trying to punish them. You say, I'm never, I'm never going to forgive him. After what he did, I can never forgive him. You're trying to punish them. But how do you know when you do that, you're actually hurting yourself because you become bitter. You become hateful. You become resentful. It reverses to you and you become tormented because you don't release that person that has hurt you. When you release them, uh, that's for you. Forgiveness is for you. It's not for the other person. Hear that. Forgiveness is for you and not for the other person. You're mighty quiet today. Praise the Lord. I, I know what that means. All right. So last year, then we're going to close out. I want you to see something here in, in verse number 32, if you would look at that. So when the king or the Lord of that servant, when he heard the thing that was done, he calls that servant in and he calls him something. He pronounces something of his life. In verse 32, he says, O thou wicked servant. Now, if you can get this, and I thank God that you can, you catch the very crux of this. He says to him, oh, you wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt. You should have forgiven that other person too, but you didn't. He calls him a wicked servant. Now, the word wicked, the word wicked actually means um, someone that is evil. We understand that. But if we look at it in the Greek, the word wicked means full of labors, full of labors. It means hardship. It means pressed and harnessed by labors. It also means to uh, someone that brings toils, perils. So when you see this word wicked, I want you to think in your mind or reason in your mind that this means someone that is full of labors, someone that is full of work. You're full of work. You're full of work. The king said, oh, you wicked servant or oh, you that are full. You are full of labors. You are full of works. Now, why is that bad? Because, listen, the king had forgiven him the debt. But this man went out trying to work for what the king already forgave. Let's bring it let's bring it to light in this manner. Let's say you have a you have a house note. The bank owns your house. And I go up to the bank and I carry a cashier's check for the full amount that you owe at the bank. 
They receive the check. The check is good. They give me a receipt and a canceled debt, a canceled uh, security deed. That house is now yours. You fully own that house. It is paid off. I come to you. I come to you and I bring you, sit you on the front row, I bring you a receipt showing that the house is paid off. I bring you a copy of the certified check showing you the house is paid off. The debt has been released. You have been loose from it. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Praise the Lord. But that person, I'm not going to say you, but that person then seeing the record goes out, leaves my presence. They go out with worry. How are they going to pay the house note? How am I going to pay this house note? How am I going to pay this house note? How am I going to pay this house note? How am I going to make this, this house note? And they begin to try to think, how can I get the money to pay it? How can I get the money to pay it? How can I get the money to pay it? And they begin to get a loan. They got another loan, maybe off a car. They're upon their title. They went to a loan shark and uh, trying to, I got to pay this note. I got to pay this note. I got to pay this note because I know if I don't pay it, they're going to take it back. They're going to take it back. What? The house has already been paid off. Paid in full. But that person has gone out. Now they're working. Now they're laboring to pay something off that has already been paid off. So what does the Lord say here? He said, you wicked servant, you that are full of labors. Now, what's, what's, what's the real terrible point about this? What the servant was actually doing was testifying through his actions that the word of the king was wrong or the king was incorrect or the king was not trustworthy. You can't trust the king. He was actually saying that with his labors, if I come to you and I show you all those things showing you how I have paid your car off, but you still go out looking sad and depressed and everybody in the kingdom has heard that I have paid off your car or paid off your house. And instead of rejoicing, you go out looking, I don't know how I'm going to pay it off. I don't know how I'm going to get the note. I don't know. What are you telling everybody else? You're telling everybody else you can't trust him. Uh, you can't trust the pastor. He don't have any money. He's untrustworthy. Don't believe a word that he says. Are you hearing me? God said wicked. Now, in the, the word wicked, also from the old English, uh, comes from the word wicca, which means witch or witchcraft. Meaning that this man was trying to work witchcraft or trying to, um, trying to uh, usurp the king's authority. He was telling the, by his actions, he was telling the other servants, you can't trust him. You can't trust God's forgiveness. So you've got to go and make it out your own way. You can't trust what Jesus did on the cross. So you've got to go out and do all these good works so that God will be pleased with you at the end of your life. You can't trust it. God said wicked because by your actions, you are saying that God's word is no good. When we go out and try to earn our righteousness by trying to do good or by we say, I'm going to fast so God will like me. I'm going to come to church so God will like me. I'm going to do all this. I'm going to do all that. I'm going to 
stop doing this sin. I'm going to stop doing that sin because that's what you're supposed to do so that God will like me. God said wicked because you are trying to pay for something that Jesus has already paid for. You understand that? This man, in effect, was trying to undermine the king's authority. And so what if this king allowed that man to go on and do that? Jacking up other servants because he just come out of the presence of the king. What if he allowed him to keep going around and, and tormenting other people, taking them all by the throat? He was advertising that the king's word was no good. He was advertising that. And what are we doing? People come to the come to the Lord, come to the saved knowledge of Jesus Christ and they come down at the, at the altar and they say, Jesus, I, 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 I give you my life, forgive me my sins, Lord, and we stand here and we receive it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then we leave and saying, I got to stop smoking. I got to stop drinking. I got to stop partying now. What are you doing? I'm trying to make myself better for God. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make him like me. I'm trying to do the work so that I can be saved. Jesus said, what are you doing? I've already paid for that. Now, not doing those things are good. Don't do those things. Praise the Lord. But not doing those things will not get you into heaven. I pray you're hearing this. I pray you're hearing this. Because we go back out and we wonder, why are you being tormented so? There are so many believers that are being tormented and say, God, why am I going through all of this? Why am I going through all of this? Because you put yourself back under law. You have fallen from grace. If the main focus of your existence is not to sin, if the main focus of your existence is to try to be holy, you've missed it. You have fallen from grace. Jesus said, I've already made, I've already paid the price and now you are free to serve me. Lord said, now you are free to lay yourself down before me and just worship me. And the more you worship the Lord, the more you become like him, you become like him. The more you praise him, the more you learn of him, the more you focus in on him, you will become, become more like what you see. Hallelujah. But becoming like Jesus will not be gained by trying to do good works. Hallelujah. You will actually be trying to undermine the word. If you hear somebody say, well, we're going to have, we're going to have a holiness revival because the people of God need to be holy. We're going to have a holiness revival. I understand the main fault of that, but what you're actually doing is causing the people to look to their sin and look away from Jesus. Do you understand? We're going to have this. We're sinning too much. You're calling the, what's happening. We're turning our attention from Jesus and say, I'm, I got to deal with this sin now so I can please Jesus. Jesus said, what are you doing? I've already paid for that. Just turn to me and he'll take care of that. Hallelujah. If you just turn to the Lord, he'll take the desire for all of that from you. That's what God wants to do. If you let him, he'll take the desire for all these things that are wrong. He'll take it from us. And here's a hint. Here's a hint. If you could have taken that stuff from you, you would have done it already. It has grieved us enough over the years. Am I right about it? It has grieved you enough. 
you, we wanted to stop it every time over and over and over. We wanted to stop that bad behavior. We wanted to stop that addiction, that habit. We wanted to stop it and we've cried out, oh, why am I still doing this? God help me. And we focused on it. If we could have done it, we would have done it. But guess what? You can't do it. That's why the Lord said, hey, look. I've already paid for that. Don't worry about the house no anymore. Don't worry about the car no anymore. Just focus on me. Just praise me. Just worship me. Just get in my presence. Just exalt my name. Learn of me. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me and learn of me because the more you look at him, the more you seek him, the more you become like him. And the more you become like him, the less that stuff has power over you. And you will find freedom in that. Freedom in that. There is bondage. There is bondage as you try to go out and make your own way. I'm telling you, there is torment. There is torment. You have fallen from grace. Here's the big revival that's coming and hitting the land. The big revival is not when the church stops sinning. The big revival is when the church turns their hearts to Jesus. That's the revival. That's the revival. When the church hungers for Christ, when the church hungers for his presence, that's the revival. And as a result of all that stuff, a result of us turning toward the Lord, all this other stuff will fall away. The closer you get to the light, the less darkness will be on your life. The closer you get toward the light, darkness fades away. It fades out. That's all the Lord's saying, do. He's saying, come to me. He says, I know you're doing this. I know you're doing that. You're doing that and the other. I know you're crying. I know you're under a lot of, uh, a lot of stress. I know that it's very tormenting in your life now. The Lord says, just come to me and receive the gift that I have given you. And he said, let me have a chance to clean you up. Let me do it. We got to step out and let God do it. Now you have a choice. You can leave out this building and uh, face that thing again because you will face that area again. I'm not sure if you know that or not. You will face that area again. You will because there is a sin, the Bible declares, that that does so easily beset us, so easily entangles us. You can go out again and struggle against that once again. And you may even tackle it and throw it to the ground, but it's going to get right back up because you're not strong enough to handle that. Only Jesus is. And how do you defeat that? By getting to him. You don't defeat that by fighting fire with fire. You defeat that by getting to Jesus, by crying out before him, giving your heart and life to him. And he has actually already defeated that. Are you with me? Praise the Lord. So at the end of this, at the end of this, the Lord, the servant, the Lord of the servant said, hey, you're wicked. You're undermining my authority. You should have forgiven. Because that is in keeping and in line with the, with the master's heart. Forgiveness. You should have done this. You should have forgiven. Then he says, send him to the tormentors now. There is torment on the other side of that. If we don't receive the grace of God now, there is torment on the other side. And I'm not sure how many of you have ever been 
tormented soul to the place in your life that you couldn't even think? That you didn't even know what side was up or down? That's a work of the enemy that is there because we have not received the grace of God. We're going to have to continue in grace. And the scripture says we have to grow in grace. We have to grow in it. Because there's so much over here that wants to take us the way of law. And remember, the law is performance-based. So if you're trying to perform your way into right standing in God, you are under law. But if you believe that Jesus Christ has covered that sin and has power to defeat that, and greater is he who's within you than he that is in the world, if you believe that, well, then let's turn away from those things. That's what the Bible calls repentance. Let's repent and turn to Christ and believe that Christ will handle that. I'm telling you, the closer you get to the light, the more darkness fades away. And I'm going to leave you with this thought because we're closing now. There was a, there was a dear, dear man. He was sitting in a dark room. And he kept complaining about how dark it was. Kept complaining about how much he couldn't see. He would walk around the room stumbling and hitting his toe on different things. He kept complaining about how bad it was. Until someone came in and said, why are you cursing the darkness? He said, don't curse the darkness. Just turn on the light. Just let the light in. Just let the light in. And the more light you let in, let the more light of God's word you let in your life, the more darkness would immediately flee. So the answer to, or answer to breakthrough or deliverance is really not in God's hands anymore. It's in your hands. God placed the light switch where you can get it. Today, he's given you that switch. Will you receive it? That's it today. I pray you've heard the word of God today. We're done in Jesus' mighty name. Well, those of you that are here tonight and those of you that are listening by Wave CD, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, we're going to say this short prayer together. And I pray that if you pray this prayer sincerely, the Lord will hear you and he will answer you. So if everybody here, would you, would you stand with us at this time? And we're going to invite our Savior in our hearts because he loves us. And he is not here to condemn us. He's not here to embarrass us. He loves you. He loves you. And he does not want distance to be between you. So, would you repeat with me? Would you pray with me? And just say, Father, I come to you admitting that I have done wrong. I have sinned. And I have fallen short of your glory. But I've heard that you're a loving God. And that you will forgive me. So now I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I confess Jesus as my master, my Lord, and as my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Live in me. I accept you. And I thank you for accepting me. Now fill me with your precious spirit. I thank you, Father for saving me in Jesus name Amen Remember if you would like to hear more about our ministry just log on to KingdomRock.org
That's kingdomrock.org.